Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, you might remember me uh, on this podcast talking about the New York State Reform Party. And one of my fellow members of that party is on the line with me right now. Uh, Bob Capano. Welcome to Keeping Real with Alex Garrett. Thank you, Alex. Pleasure to be on. And uh, for those listening, I will have my own thoughts on yesterday, Sunday, the death of Kobe Bryant, burying my own grandmother the same day. It all hit me like a ton of bricks. We'll talk about that on a separate podcast. But tonight, we've got some business to talk about because Bob, who is normally in Brooklyn, is going out to Long Island to do a very special event with Brigitte Gabriel. Uh, Bob, fill us in on what you're up to tonight. Yes, tonight... Uh, the New York Metro chapter of uh, Act for America, which was founded by Brigitte Gabriel, um, they are having one of their annual meetings, and they asked me to be one of their guest speaking guest speakers, talking about uh, indoctrin- indoctrination and the war on the First Amendment on college campuses. But also, they asked me to specifically uh, talk about some of my thoughts about why students are ill-prepared for college and, um, you know, what we can do about it and some of the issues in in educational uh, policy based on my experience working in in government but also in in education. So I have that unique combination. And and this is going to be in Long Island. So do you feel that Long Island campuses have indoctrination going on? What's your thoughts on the island, on Brooklyn college campuses? What are your thoughts on the New York side of, of the college campus these days? Well, I, I think it's, uh, it's throughout the country, actually, because for a long time we've always known that uh, professors at colleges uh, have had that leftward tilt, but it's become more drastic over the past uh, few decades. And But certainly in, in states like New York, which are even deeper blue, um, that, that um, prejudice, if you will, is more uh, pronounced where, you know, I, I was an instructor at uh, uh, several colleges uh, in, in New York for over 15 years as an adjunct professor of political science. And, and I can't tell you the number of students, you know, who came up to me and they, Professor Catano, we uh, appreciate uh, your balanced approach to instructing. You know, obviously I am a right-leaning uh, uh, instructor, but I, I personally... But I don't view it as my job to uh, push that viewpoint onto my students, whereas uh, those on the left, uh, that seems to be their uh, main priority, where, where we've seen stories of, of 
students who argue with a professor, uh, you know, that they fail the class, and 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 that's not right. I mean, as as a right-leaning instructor at, at college campuses, you know, um, you know, obviously being struck by fellow colleagues know my political line of thinking, and let's just say I'm not always the most uh, warmly greeted. So if that's sure. the case with me within the faculty unit, uh, I can imagine what it's like for what students. And that must have inspired me to be part of this event tonight. Now, Bob, Long Island, I always think of is 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 a really common sense area compared to the city where it seems very liberal all the time here in the five boroughs. But when you go to Long Island, that's a place where families do treasure the First Amendment. Families do treasure um, common sense values. And I think uh, this conversation will have a huge impact on Long Island families tonight. No, I, I think so, too. And you're right. I mean, compared to New York City, and we could talk about New York City more, I mean, where I'm speaking is right on the border, you know, just a few blocks off the border of Queens. But the bottom line is, in many areas, um, yes, local governments control educational policy, but there's also a role for the state. So statewide, uh, you know, we have, unfortunately, the progressive movement, and and that's uh, that's leading to things like not so, uh, non-support of charter schools, for example, which are a good thing. I mean, so there's many areas that the state can be working on to assure that all schools and all students succeed. Um, so that's throughout New York State, um, but it's it's just you're right. It's just ten times worse here in New York City now. Is it possible that in the lower grades that you're going to talk about tonight, are they rewriting textbooks to make things even worse inside the younger minds, like make them think even worse about America? Are they rewriting our textbooks nowadays? Well, I I believe that the textbook publishers uh, have, I mean, he has proposals about how you want to eliminate basic things about American history and, and, you know, you know, we hear about, you know, this movement throughout the country to take down statues of people like Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Uh, I think that's nuts. And unfortunately, I think it's only a matter of time before that makes its way into the, the textbooks. But I, I do think on the grand throughout the state, we should put more of a focus on teaching civics, for example, in, in the lower grades. Um to, to give students a basic framework, and we certainly can't erase American history. You know, our framers weren't perfect, and people today aren't perfect, but you don't erase them uh, from from the history books. No, and you just, because that's our history. You can't rewrite history. Revisionist history drives me nuts, by the way. I don't know if it drives you nuts, but it drives me nuts. No, absolutely. I want to ask you about other politics going on because you you write about it in Brooklyn. You follow it closely, and I want to talk about this. Yesterday, the bail reform has become a huger, a bigger issue than I think even our Democratic leaders thought it would be. Uh, finally, some of them are speaking out; others are defending it still. I don't know why. But did you see the report that the New York State Police have to have more force, more support now in their force dealing with the bail reform? Had you had seen that at all? I did not see see that specifically, but um, as you mentioned, I do write a column in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Career Life. Basically, you know, I think it's obvious I'm one of the few right-leaning columnists in New York City, and my last column was uh, devoted to this issue. 
Um, and, and it's, you know, it talked about, a, I, I mentioned a compromise solution. Um, as I said in, in my column, never in a million years did I think I would ever advocate for following the lead of California, the most progressive state in the nation. But what they did, they passed a law in September of 2018 that actually ended cash bail completely, the first in the nation. And instead, they have a, a formula for judges to an algorithm formula to determine whether bail is, I'm sorry, whether someone is remanded or released. That's it. And that part of that algorithm that California established is um, what's the likelihood of them returning it to court based on uh, past history, the seriousness of their crime, and whether they present a, a danger to their community. Now, to me, that's the, that could be a compromise solution that we can use in New York State. Right now, as many know, our, this bail system is very flawed. And you have Republicans and even some moderate think, think, uh, Democrats and law enforcement saying, let's, we need to repeal the bail reform. But then the other side, you have people like Speaker Hasty and other progressives who apparently dig in their heels and say, oh, it's only been uh, 25 days since the law took effect. Let's leave it alone. So I say the compromise is, okay, let's eliminate cash bail completely because Governor Jerry Brown, the low, one of the most progressive governors, said that this was a way to eliminate that inequity, inequity that, that progressives argue that bail is just a way to keep the poor in jail. Well, you know what? If we eliminate cash bail and go this algorithm formula, that takes away that argument. So it's a good way to balance public safety, which I would hope Speaker Hasty and, and progressives are for, but it, I, I really don't think that, unfortunately. And also um, the need to make sure that using their, their point of view that people can't buy their freedom. So I, I think that's an interesting way to go. But uh, to me, I think it's a bogus argument about, um, uh, you know, people say, they're saying that you need, you know, it's a way to keep poor people in jail. And I think I, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 that that's, you can't use that argument because it's the same thing that progressive use, progressives use with education, right? In education, they're more focused on racial equality rather than making sure all students get a quality education. And we've seen that with Carenza. I mean, I remember there was a lineup of council members asking Carenza to resign because he was not focused on everybody. He was focused on quotas and, and, and quote-unquote diversity, which uh, will wreck the New York City educational system, I believe, if we continue down that path. No, I mean, his, his DOE uh, he just spent $700,000 uh, on training for for educational personnel to combat quote white supremacy culture end quote and they they hired for like one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a consultant who says she works to quote change the mindset mindsets around equity and dismantle systemic oppression and racism so to me that funding that they use for that should be used to improve schools, and, and you mentioned Carranza, making safe schools. I think we all read the headlines last week in, in Bayside, Queens, uh, MS-158, where we saw that video showing a 14-year-old 
pummeling another girl and jumping on the table in victory while while the other students cheered and teachers didn't lift a finger to break it up. And when the parents brought this up to, to Carranza at his meeting, Carranza walked out and then accused the parents of grandstanding. That's the problem, that when education officials focus more on racial equality and not making our schools safe, that's the big, those things are the biggest detriment to all students getting a good education. I mean, I'm a new follower, and I can only imagine my reaction if my child was being abused and bullied in the school. And for Karanza to walk out, and for him to have more priority and hire and spend almost a million dollars on consultants to battle white privilege rather than making sure our schools are safe and listening to the parents, that's an atrocity. Well, and I think it's it's not just safety. It's how do we eliminate the disruption that we are starting to see because of these policies? I mean, kids go to school to learn, not to be disrupted by people, by kids that might be, I would hate to say worse off, but worse off. Like, how do we eliminate the disruption? What Do you have a solution for that? Because I think that's another issue as well. Not just safety, but how do we stop the disruptive class nature um, and just get kids to learn instead of fighting all the time? Well, one of the things that, that has taken us 10 steps backwards is, at least in New York City, I'm not sure about Long Island and the other parts of the state, but speaking about the five boroughs, uh, our, our Mayor de Blasio instituted a policy basically of getting, a, getting rid of school suspensions. And as a result, not surprisingly, school violence has gone up in our schools. So when you have policies that, you know, basic whether whether it's this type of policy of, of, uh, of looking the other way on school violence or even bail reform, you know, you know, bad policy incurs uh, more bad behavior, and, and that's wrong, and, and that's a big reason for it. And I gotta ask you this because you're going out tonight to New Hyde Park, New York, uh, the New York chapter of ACT. You're going to be partnering up with Brigitte Gabriel's group. I've got to ask you, uh, will you take your experiences in New York City and bring them out to the island? And do you think people in Long Island, uh, if they stay out there, don't understand the magnitude of the city's problems unless they're told? Or do you think they're following it just as closely from the outer boroughs? Uh, I think they, they do see it. I mean, obviously, with the news and, and the you know press. But, you know, unfortunately, um, people aren't directly um, aren't moved by something unless they're personally affected, right? So I would venture to say that that city issues do matter to many Long Islanders because Long Islanders, many do work in the city or have family in the city. So when someone is, when crime is going up in the city, when the subways are going down the tubes, when people have to fear going on the train uh, or coming into the city or, or walking over homeless people in the streets, I think that does affect Long Island and, and they care about it. And just to go back to that bail reform, you know, one of the things that I think is sad is that, unfortunately, I think more people will have to be negatively impacted 
by the new law, meaning, unfortunately, more people and their families will have to be victims before enough pressure is brought to bear on the Democratic Albany elected officials to change the law. Now, I think it's a very good thing that it seems like more moderate Democrats in Long Island are saying, well, maybe this bail reform isn't okay. But politically speaking, those moderate Democrats can speak against it all they want, but they are still part of the Democratic majority that implemented these laws. So uh, unfortunately, I think the only way to reverse this is to elect Republicans. So moderate Democrats in Long Island are trying to play it cute, saying, oh, I'm against it. Hey, but it's your leaders that implemented it. In fact, you voted for it. Right. And you had a chance two weeks ago to repeal it, but none of them did. They said, oh, we want to tinker with the, uh, make some changes. You know what? Every person who's a victim of a crime by someone who is out on bail who otherwise would not have been because of this war can look all Democrats in the eye, moderate or not, and blame them. No, I agree. And uh, the, this bail reform. And the other thing you mentioned earlier was that like, Heasty was saying we have to let this play out. Do you know that since this bail reform happened, a guy was able to rob another jewelry store? It was like his fifth robbery. I mean, how much time are we going to give this before it completely turns into chaos? Uh, I, I don't think we're we're far away. Um, like I said, I have no. Um, I just can't, for the life of me, figure out why many, but why these Democrats feel their priority is to criminals rather than law-abiding citizens. I mean, I don't know if criminals formed an interest group or a pack. I don't know what the hell happened, but how elected officials can put criminals over law-abiding citizens and move the pendulum of justice. Not just balance, I understand balance the pendulum of justice, you know, between defendants and, and, and the public safety, but the pendulum has swung so far towards criminals that it's, it's having a disastrous effect. Even the, uh, the police commissioner said just last week that crime is up over the, since January 1 because of the bail reform laws. And they're ones to usually put a rosy picture on, oh, crime is down, but they're finally admitting that 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 is not the case now since bail reform. You know, I'm watching the TV and impeachment is splashed all across, and that really deters or distracts us from, or those who don't really want to follow everything, they distract those that don't really care about New York City politics and their own city's rules. It distracts them, and I think that's a bad thing. I think... We, you and I, can do something different and bring focus into these issues more so than our, our national media is doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I said I always believe that, that local press is, is so important. Um, that's why I feel privileged to have a small voice in, in, in these debates, you know, through my column, uh, The Right View, it's called, with the Brooklyn Courier Life newspapers. Um you know, because, again, I think people have to understand all points of views. And the fact that our city and state governments today in New York City and in New York State is completely controlled by Democrats is a disservice to New York State. Um, and 
you know, we see the direction it's going. People won. You didn't, you didn't, you did not need to be a criminologist or have a degree in criminal justice to realize if you let more people out who shouldn't be out on the streets, meaning if you, if you committed one bank robbery, two bank robberies, three bank robberies, and you keep being let out, of course it's going to lead to more crime. And that's exactly what's happening. Hey, do you think this Byford, Andy Byford, who I love so much, he was a great guy, got to know him over the couple of years he was here. Uh, do you think his departure makes us less safe on the subway? You know, because uh, you mentioned subways earlier, you know, we haven't heard the words summer of hell under Byford uh, since he took over, but now he might again. And I'm I'm just really ticked that Cuomo wants to centralize that and exclude the city. Are you kidding me, Bob? Yeah, no, I, I mean, Byford was doing, I'm not sure how much Byford had to do with public safety because that's the governor and the NYPD and their policies. But certainly when it came to getting trains to run on time to be more efficient, uh, you know, he, he deserved an A+. plus. But I, I guess uh, he was getting too much of the credit personally for Governor Cuomo's liking, and that's why Governor Cuomo reorganized the MT and gave him a lesser role. And Andy Byford said, uh, that's BS. I'm, I'm out of here. Um, so, you know, that, that this, this is on the, uh, this is gov- on Governor Cuomo, the loss of Andy Byford. All right. We're talking with Bob Capano. <clears throat> you can see him in the Brooklyn Courier Life. Is that what it's called? Yes, sir. And and tonight you could also see him in New Hyde Park, New York. I know it's an open event and, uh, Based on what you've told me, your experience as an instructor, your experience here in the city, you've got a lot to talk to talk to about uh, tonight. Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I've been uh, fortunate to have a life in both education and and politics. Uh, I was a former high school teacher in Brooklyn at St. Edmunds High School, and then, as I mentioned, for over fifteen years, I, I taught at Kingsborough Community College, St. Francis College in in Brooklyn, and then John Jay College of Criminal Justice. Um, uh, you know, and I was fortunate enough to see how policy affects education through my work uh, working for former Brooklyn Borough President Marty Markowitz and then uh, former Queens uh, Congressman uh, Bob Turner. So uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, bringing all those perspectives to, to the audience. And then just so you know, it starts at 730 at the Elks Lodge, uh, 901 Lakeville Road in New Hyde Park. And uh, how can people register for that? Uh, no registration necessary. Uh, open open the door policy. People can just uh, show up. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll probably post the flyer online and, and get people out. So thank you so much, Bob, for joining me today. Thank you, Alex. And, and keep it up. We need uh, more common sense voices uh, out there, especially in New York. And younger ones. You and I are young still, and that's a good thing because uh, the older voices of the of the state are kind of not making sense these days. So I'm glad that we can inject the youth into the conversation. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, Alex. And uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to have a lot more to talk about uh, with the Sunday, uh, what happened on Sunday, because this was sad. I, I buried my grandmother on my stepdad Vic's side, and then Kobe crashes and dies. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'll tell you about more about that in an upcoming episode. Talk to you soon.